Welcome to Man Bay, the podcast where we discover how bad we are at different things. I'm Michael. I'm Neil. What are you bad at, Neil? Well, Michael, today I'm going to tell you about something that is going to resonate very well with you. And I think you're going to be somewhat surprised and also not surprised. Mm -hmm. So what I am really bad at, horrible at, is playing beer for life. <laughs> yes, I am playing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's back this up for uh people who are listening and don't know what that is beer for life is a drinking game we have among our friends and it's played in perpetuity just in the background always and what it is is whenever you drink a beer you're supposed to mark it somehow whenever you drink a can of beer you're supposed to mark it somehow usually this is by rotating the tab or you could do like an indentation on the can or something just something to like just mark it and what people can ask you is they can say are you playing for beer for life? And if you have forgotten to mark the beer, you have to finish your beer. And uh, if you have marked it, but you um, like, if if the other person didn't notice it or didn't see it, then they have to finish their beer. I think. I think that's part of the rules. Anyway, I'm bad at this game, so I'm not the best person to explain the rules. <laughs> it's the 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 way I've heard it is you have to finish your beer on your knee at whatever yeah. whatever pace you want to do it. So it's really more of an endurance test than anything. Oh, I thought you had to chug it. So never mind. I mean, I guess it's just shaming. You're on your knee, on one knee. Mm -hmm. Depends how nice your beer is. And proposing how to finish a beer. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I'm. I'm. I resisted for a while because I knew I was going to be bad at this, and I finally gave in, and now I'm playing. But I'm so bad at playing that nobody knows I'm playing. The only person who remembers is our other friend, other Mike, and he remembers that I'm playing. And like when we hang out, he'll he'll ask me, and I'll be like, "Oh, damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> it is for life. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is for life. Um. Yeah. So okay, do you 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 do just the normal tab rotation, presumably? I don't think I've ever marked it a beer. I have never once remembered. That's funny. So I think this got the the origins of this are in the in the mists of time but yeah. it started as just a way to incentivize people to actually mark their beer so that it would be distinguishable do you ever uh, find yourself misplacing beverages yes yes well no yeah i i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about yeah yeah, no, and I think it was, it was, um, you know, particularly good. Well, I guess, that sort of leads into another point, which is that everyone else is so good at this game, that they had to add extra rules to it. Like, you're not allowed to do it with a LaCroix, a can of LaCroix or a can of sparkling water, which of course was never a problem for me. So that rule, that rule I'm really good at. <laughs> not marking it with LaCroix. I'm just excited but, to see change where you're just incapable of not marking everything you get. Like you're etching things in pint glasses. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's what the problem everyone else had. And I circumvented that problem by just completely forgetting about it. So in, in some ways I won because I never etched a pint glass. <laughs> Broke my fingernails in the process. I... Uh, I'm really glad this is getting uh, going to be published because now everybody will have no excuse for not remembering you don't play beer for life. I know it's going to, it's going to be 
public knowledge among everyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> the fans. All of the fans, which doesn't even include the hosts, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of extra rules, I'm, I'm definitely into camp where I'm, like, obsessively marking. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard of Beer O'Clock, the edition? Um, no. So, if if you wear a watch and you have marked your beer by rotating the tab, if somebody asks you what time it is, you have to report the time indicated by the position of the tab rather than the actual time of day. And it could probably apply to anybody with a smartphone, at which point it's just impossible to actually know the time. <laughs> that's, that's really funny and it sounds exhausting. People don't... It's not actually that exhausting. Now, I mean, what... It's one of those things where it's like it takes longer to explain the rule than to just to understand the rule. So after thinking about it for the time it took to say that it was exhausting, it makes perfect sense. And I think it's hilarious. But I can tell you that I would also forget to do that. At least in your case, you just always say noon and you would be right. Or would it be six? Noon or twelve. I guess it depends. I, I was assuming that the opening of the was was twelve. Oh no, I was thinking like the way the neutral position would be twelve. Like right when you open it, the way it sits naturally is twelve. Either way, all that matters is that it's not the time, or you can argue. Well, if it also if it's beer o'clock, you should um, mirror flip the uh, the the clock too, so that you're 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 doing it from the perspective of the beer as if the beer were looking at the at the <laughs> at the tab to tell the time <laughs> okay yeah some sort of sundial based system no i mean it's just it's just the beer is, is looking like you're looking from one side and the beer is looking from the other side uh-huh oh i see yes beer clock yeah. <laughs> the beer needs to know yeah yeah, when you stare long enough into the beer, the beer also stares into you. So Nietzsche said. <laughs> yeah, Nietzsche is famous beer drinker, lager man. Is what I remember. Are you familiar with the words uh, deosil and Wittershins? Yes. But I can't tell you which one is which. You can uh, refer to a previous podcast for that. (laughs) (laughs) About how I can't (laughs) tell the difference between left and right or east and west. Or deosil motorshins. Yeah. That's right. That actually does bring up, can you tell the difference between clockwise and counterclockwise? I have to think about it. But I can, yeah. Okay. One of my few accomplishments. (laughs) Well, one day we'll make a podcast about that. Yeah, yeah, one day. Or perhaps uh, 11 days from the perspective of the beer. <laughs> okay. So deosil, de I think, literally translates to something like with the sun. So it's the mm-hmm. direction that the shadow on, of a sundial travels in the northern hemisphere. And so that's clockwise. And then Wittershins is the other way. That's cool. 
it's cool to think about ancient conceptions of time and how they because like in the in in this book I'm reading about William Wallace he's like you know if I'm not back by two hours the Wallace is dead or maybe he said Wallace is no more or something you know something dramatic like that uh-huh. but I was like how are they gonna time that it's nighttime like how how are they gonna know if it's been two hours yeah how are they gonna know I guess oh no you can you you just need to look at a star and then I mean, they're not these these soldiers aren't out there with an astrolabe, are they? No, but you there's like a I mean, there's a I think it's like one finger is 15 minutes for the sun. So if you have um, something along the same arc of the sun, then you just need to like if you if you can identify a star reliably that's like going to be following the same path as the sun at nighttime then you could measure with your fingers the same way as you as you would and no they, they don't have astrolabes but that's what all the like um a, a lot of like fairy tales and legends are are actually like ways to remember uh constellations like the cat jumped or the, the cow jumped over the moon and the whatever ran away with a spoon is all about constellations apparently i mean uh, that's as far as i know I, I never read which constellations were there but yeah. <laughs> were involved but i mean it is it is a great source of information just sitting there yeah i mean like cassiopeia which is that w looking constellation is supposed to be a queen and it, like it rotates at night so it's it's supposed to be a queen who was so jealous of her daughter i think persephone um and some bad stuff happened and so she was punished and her punishment was that she spends half the night upside down and half the night right side up just cartwheels. That's fun. The constant roller coaster. Interesting. So I get like astronomy is well outside my ken, but does that just mean that it is along the axis of Earth's rotation? No, that can't be because that's going to wobble throughout the year. So like, why why would it not just rotate along with the sun and everything else looking kind of like a flat? Oh, I mean, it, it, it does rotate along with everything else. It's just that the W changes orientation and the W is like her throne. I don't, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't explain. I don't understand it well enough to explain it to you, but something along those lines. And I think Cassiopeia is pretty much always visible in the Northern hemisphere. Hmm. I did a naked eye astronomy class in college senior year my second year my second semester of senior year it was like one of those we had these like one credit classes that were just like I don't know just I think it was mostly for people to like if they needed if they needed to like a few credits to make them a full-time student or they needed a few credits to graduate and I was I like taking these like silly classes so I took naked eye astronomy I think I took one about dinosaurs anyway um so that's where I learned that and but a lot, it was a lot of just like go outside and see if you can see a constellation, which was sounds great, but it was like January in Michigan and it was horrible because I was so cold. Like I would go do like it was my hardest homework that semester because, you know, second semester senior year and I was just freezing outside. I couldn't feel my fingers by the time I got back in because I was like measuring things in the sky with my <laughs> thumb. Taking down the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I bet a lot of all-nighters associated with that too. 
<laughs> most my homework was all done at night if that's what you mean yeah so what what procrastination yeah yeah i couldn't procrastinate it until i woke up well i woke up pretty late so there might be stars visible at that time. <laughs> yeah no it is interesting just how elaborate the the stories around these things got because there was nothing else to do when it was dark. Yeah. Myths are really interesting. Actually, another thing, big thing that myths often encode is data on um, geological events like volcanoes. So there are a lot of, like there are legends passed down about, I think near Crater Lake, um, some of the people who had been in that area for centuries wouldn't go near this one very beautiful lake because there had been a few eruptions there and they had, pass that information down encoded in myths to like in, in a way that if you knew what you were looking for you could um decipher it and even things like medusa and her sisters were all uh volcanoes because uh, and, and like it's a common thing that people talk about um like the lava running down volcanoes is like um like snakes hair of snakes because it's hissing Mm-hmm. And they look like snakes because they're all waving down. And... Interesting. I mean, yeah, the the knowledge to not settle next to Pompeii definitely would have been valuable. Yeah. Is this crater lake in Oregon? Yeah. Interesting. It is pretty. That's all I know. Yeah, I think it was crater lake. I don't remember. I listened to a book about it pretty interesting but uh beer for life so do you have any additional rules that you think we should uh we should add before before it gets we get complacent yeah i don't know i mean i i guess my my problem not problem with it but like i like those like like create a rule drinking games in college where you'd be like, okay, now every time you take a drink, you have to take a little man off the top, off the side of your cup or things like that. And I thought, I always thought those were fun. So I think what I dislike about beer for life is that it doesn't change, although it is changing slowly. So I'd like, I love the idea about adding, adding little wrinkles. I like, I love the, um, I do love the uh, beer clock rule. That's pretty funny. Um, hmm. I don't know. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Yeah, I've been I've been trying. Uh, listeners, please write in with your great idea for <laughs> <laughs> additions to the to uh, beer for life. Um, I really- oh, another, I mean, one thing that would be wow, this this wouldn't this would be impossible, but you you could um, you instead use the tab as a uh, like a fuel gauge on your beer and you, you have to adjust it every time you take a sip so that <laughs> eventually it's empty. Oh no, that's pretty cool. Uh, but like, how do you, how do you? Well, I, I think it wouldn't have to, I think the idea is that you wouldn't need it to be accurate, but you would have to move it. Every time you took a sip, you'd have to move your gauge along. I see. I see. So it's more about people watching you not adjusting it than it is. It's at halfway. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a time bomb for the beer, right? Like the beer is watching. 
Mm -hmm. from inside seeing his life take away it's very (laughs) grim when you think about it you're really into the personification of this beverage yeah um the other game i've been thinking about a little bit is the dice game Mm -hmm. How, how does that work again so the dice game is a game that comes to us from our friend other mike who in fact is the only one who remembers that I'm playing Beer for Life because everyone else forgot because I'm so bad. Anyway, the dice game is you have a dice and you you can, or you have a die. Wait, you have a die, yes. Singular is die. The dice game is you have a die and you, you basically dare someone to do something on a number. So you say, if I roll a two or a three or four or five or six, any number from two through six, if you roll that number, they have to do it. However, you um, you take on some risk when you make a dare because if you roll a one, you have to do it. And so it's uh yeah, it's like a it's interesting because you know you and anything you're you're daring someone else to do, you have to be willing to do yourself. There are some obvious asymmetries where you're it's like you know if, if you do something that is uh, easy for you to do but hard for someone else to do. You know, but in general, it's it's a pretty good balance, I think. I so I, some notable ones have been uh, drink water from the bidet. <laughs> oh my! Uh, blend and drink a slice of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Is that liquid enough? No, it was uh, it was something. Um, oh, there are some fun ones with skiing. It was like. Uh, ask i think it was like ask ask the lift the lift you when you're skiing how do i know which one's my left and which one's my right there are there is no left and right is the joke <laughs> um what else there were some there were some i mean there are obviously a bunch about like there have been a bunch about asking someone out or picking someone up oh there was one great one where uh at my bachelor party <laughs> I, 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 we didn't actually do this because I feel like it would have been um, horrible to all those involved. In fact, you could probably edit this out, but it, it was funny just to see Michael's reaction. So we dared Michael, or I, I had a friend dare Michael because I think he would have known coming from me that I was joking to say, on a, on a three, you have to go over to the group of girls at this other table in the restaurant and ask them why none of them are wearing bras. <laughs> and it was I mean I was sitting discreetly just like filming Michael in the background and it was one of the greatest moments of my life he got so embarrassed he put his sunglasses on it was like 9 p.m in a restaurant like indoors it's great though just the the mere thought of it mortified me (laughs) oh god I had forgotten about that thank you Neil you're welcome so those are all pretty fantastic. The, the issue I have with it is there's like a huge amount of creativity that goes into making a dare that is, you know, original and fun and interesting, but that people actually do. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could do something to kind of constrain the space such that ah, maybe this wouldn't work with the, with the pre, like the, the risk of the person doing the dare. But like on a two, you have to do this this category of dare or something. 
or like there's a fixed set that you can rotate through i don't know oh yeah i mean i think one of the rules that is involved is that you're not allowed to repeat dares which i think like i think the most obvious way is to just relax that so you can't repeat a dare you can repeat a dare until um it's actually been performed as a simple way to do that um I mean, maybe the dares like come back into, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like the, in practice, people are just going to repeat the dare anyway. Mm -hmm. And even if you say, okay, you can't repeat a dare like immediately, people are going to repeat it again later. And I think that's, that's fine. We need to break that out again. Maybe I'll be struck with inspiration. Yeah, I mean now now that we can see each other again. Although we did so those those two the first two examples I, I the bidet water and the pizza were uh, well both lost by the same person, but we did it in a Zoom call. We did Zoom Zoom die game. Oh no! Uh, laptop in a bathroom. Yeah, and, a, and and now she's a mother. Who has a bidet in any in, in this day and age? Why wouldn't, why do you not have a bidet? I mean, I would if I could, but you have to like, I guess, I don't know, homeowners, they can opt into that. No, you, uh, here, here's, oh man, this is another, another ad read we should do. It's like, hello, tushy. <laughs> and it's just a thing that it just, you just put it on top. It just, you just hook it into your existing line to the toilet and then it adds a bidet. Okay. I mean, it's the same one. It's to the toilet, not from the toilet. Yeah. It's just, it's in that region, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. But dogs drink out of it, no problem. So. Dogs are tougher than I am, for sure. <laughs> oh, many things are. It's true. No, but it's, I think it's a great, I mean, it, it makes so much more sense. It's so much more sanitary. Um, and it's like, it's like 50 or 60 bucks. We bought it at the beginning of quarantine when there was a uh, hysteria about toilet paper. I was like, no, I'm just going to get a bidet and then I don't have to worry about this. It's true. No, I, I've always used them. I, do they have electric heaters in line? Um, not the Hello Tushy ones, but you can get ones from Costco that work the same way. You just have to be able to plug it in. Mm -hmm. Other Mike has that kind of bidet. The Costco one, bio bidet. I'm all up to date on my bidet brands. My parents, on the other hand, they have this gigantic, they ha I mean, my dad lived in Japan for a while, so he got accustomed to these very luxurious toilets, and it, like, the seat opens when you walk in the door, and it has, like, an air dryer, heated air dryer. Oh, my. It's ridiculous. Please cut all of this out. No. No, no. Cut all the, most of it. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is content, Neil. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. You'll rule the bidet that you started talking about this. What was the first? What, what, why did you say rule? Rue the bidet. You said rule. I meant rue. You, you must be ruining the rule. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, that went some interesting places. Bidets are great. Mythology is very interesting, and Beer for Life is very confusing.
This episode of Man Bay is brought to you by Headspace. Did you get that? Or did you confuse it with Headspace? You may be thinking too slow. If you're losing track of the speed of thoughts about your thoughts, this app is for you. Track your Headspace and think fast instead. Headspace is the number one app for tracking and optimizing your own cognitive function and the speed of your thoughts. What, what, what hot takes do you have for us today, Michael? What hot pancakes do you have? You want a hot pancake? You want a hot pancake? Yeah, I, w- I would love it. Please serve it up to me. Yeah. Uh, sound bars, you know, the things you put under your television. Yeah. Totally useless. Yeah, probably. (laughs) We have a sound bar and I got it mostly because I've always wanted one. I had like fantasized, like when I, when I left, when I, after I graduated from college and I went to grad school, I had this like vision in my head of like, oh, I'm going to have this really cool apartment with a TV and a sound bar. And I just thought it was going to have like a lot of, I don't know. I thought it would give me great sound quality when in reality, like I, I can't really tell sound quality. So, I mean, I can, but it it's not going to make a huge difference to me. Um, yeah, to me, it's one of those yeah. things where you can tell side by side, but if you aren't explicitly doing a side by side comparison, your brain will filter it out to be the exact same thing. Yeah, it's true, but it's not. Um, I, I don't think that's a fair point. That's a point. That's a fair point for you that you can't tell that that you you you're going to filter it out. And for me, I mean, I, it applies to me as well. But I think that I think to people who are like audiophiles, like that's not a fair point because they'll always know. Although I think that people who are audiophiles are probably going to get something more sophisticated than a soundbar. I do notice. I mean, our soundbar has a subwoofer, which I do notice. And when I got when I got it, I listened to um, I watched like on Amazon Prime. They had like a uh, it was like Nas and a symphony orchestra um performing his first album Elmatic together and I just sat there and watched it and I loved every second of it <laughs> so the sound bar for that mo- for that like experience alone was um worth it definitely you know and I, Michael has no idea who Nas is I do you do yeah he's that uh the guy who did the song with Miley Ray Cyrus's dad oh no Michael <laughs> wait no, you're joking. You know, you know that that's not Nas Nas. <laughs> oh, that's his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't One of know them. Neil. Huh? I didn't know Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not the Miley, the Billy Ray Cyrus is a, or Billy Cyrus or whatever his name is. A, that was with Lil Nas X. Oh. Yeah. Nas is a, a hip hop. He's a rapper from the '90s. I think it's the '90s, early '90s. Is it spelled G N A W S? It could be like whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> oh yeah, I should have done some more research on the soundbar stuff. Because I know this is this is great. An uninformed hot take is the hottest. It is the hottest, but I just, I think you would have enjoyed that Nas concert just as much with the built-in speakers on your television. No, that's definitely not true. The subwoofer makes a tremendous amount of difference. But the sound bar plus subwoofer versus, versus 
if this were somehow possible, the TV speakers plus subwoofer. I mean, that I don't know. It's not even a full woofer. No, there's a separate subwoofer. But there's not a full woofer. <laughs> a super woofer. A mega woofer. Yeah. It evicts you if you haven't paid your. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. We so the we have a sound bar, but it's it's not hooked up to the television, so you always have to go up and turn it on separately, and that is enough to make me just hate the concept. Well, that's why would you do? Okay, that's your fault. That's you being dumb. <laughs> well, I I think there are universal truths. Like you know, you go over to watch some television at your friend's house as you do, and it's just like oh, there's 15 remotes and like a specific sequence that you need to execute it's like harder to get the sound and the video running than it is to it's true which is which is why we bought the soundbar and the tv from the same manufacturer so it doesn't i mean it you just turn one on the other one turns on i don't have a remote for oh i do have a remote for the soundbar i can ch i can like move it to like a bluetooth but other than that it's completely synced actually i i agree with you about that universal truth in the past but we're moving in the opposite direction now to to an extent that's scary. We got a Google, Chrome, the 4K Google Chrome, mm -hmm. um, because even though my TV is a smart TV, the the casting it doesn't like work as well for some reason as as the, like we had a Google Chrome from a previous non-smart TV, and it worked like the gap in how it worked versus how the native TV worked was big enough that we would use the Google Chrome a lot more often. Um, and then that broke. So I, I got the one, the 4k one, which came with a remote, but the remote for the Chromecast works for the TV itself and vice versa. And it freaks me the fuck out. I mean, I think that's just like well standardized infrared, infrared communication protocols, right? I mean, yeah, well, I'm I, not sure if it's infrared, but yes, it's it's they they de you definitely when you hook up the like when you when you set up the Chromecast, you are tell you tell it what model of TV you have, and when you um and and, and presumably through the HDMI it interacts with the TV in, in a way that it knows it can receive commands through the HDMI for the Chromecast. Um, so yeah, it's probably infrared, but I, I don't think that the, the Chromecast remote works on infrared simply because the Chromecast is completely hidden. Yeah, I see. And in, infrared, I think we need line of sight. So. Yep. We, in my, uh, my electronics course, one of our projects was to build, I think it's called like TV Be Gone. They would just flash an infrared through all the manufacturer's protocols for turn off. So you would like theoretically... <laughs> Best Buy and just cause a, a TV meltdown. That's hilarious. But that's not what's going on here. Okay, it's a have tool a, for parents. Have a data connection. Yeah, it's still not freaking me out yet. It doesn't. I mean, it's not like in and of itself. It's very convenient, but it's just one of those things where it's like. I, yeah, in and of in and of itself, it is not um, strange, but it is sort of symptomatic of the fact that 
everything is being standardized and the fact that information can transition so easily between different domains, different manufacturers is a little creepy. Uh, I, I saw an interesting um, Twitter thread the other day about, they were talking about how everyone always thinks, oh, you're like, um, you know, your device is listening into you. And like, that's why I was talking about this, this one product. And then I started seeing a bunch of ads for it later. And they were like, um, the device is not actually listening into you, in on you, but the reality is actually uh, scarier in some ways. And the, because the reality is it doesn't need to listen to you. <laughs> like they, they, uh, they know everyone's scared of that. So they don't, you know, they don't actually listen into you because it's illegal they, that you, you sign all these things or like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna use this, but I'm only gonna listen to the, for the word Alexa or for the word Echo, or for the word Siri or whatever. And for the most part, they probably just abide by that because it's, it's simpler and if they get caught, the consequences are tremendous. But they have other ways of getting that same information that is easier to them and that we give away freely, which is basically, I think the example he said was that uh, they monitor you know, your, your location based on your phone's GPS signal. They also monitor who, other, who else you're near based on the GPS signal. So like if you're at your parents' place, Oh, your your phones are next to each other by a bunch. And what did this other phone just buy? They just bought that. So maybe you're talking about it. So now I'm going to show you ads for it. And like that's you know they, you can just do it that way. Like why why you don't have to do all this fancy voice you know processing human voice um, audio all these hours and hours of audio, which is a very intensive process, very error prone. When they could just do it much simpler. So that. That's scary. And I mean, I agree that the fact that remotes work on multiple devices, the idea of a, a convenient universal remote is not scary. The idea that uh, I got a convenient universal remote without realizing that I was going to is the scary part because it's uh, like, you know, it's like a common theme with where something I didn't realize that I was, um, I got something I didn't, I didn't, think I was signing up for by, uh, sh you know, sharing more information, if that makes sense. Totally. And I mean, I, yeah, uh, I'm in no way a uh, surveillance capitalist uh, apologist, but I, I also think there's a huge amount of confirmation bias when it comes to those like anecdotes about, oh, I was talking about this oh, yeah. new brand of Gatorade. Now I'm seeing ads for it. What the heck, Google? It's more just, uh, yeah. you, you process, you know, very small percentage of the things you actually see. But if it's kind of top of mind, then you'll start noticing, oh, there's that thing again. So it's like, I had never heard of the website GeoCities until I was like 23 and then like, in in two podcasts and a television show it got referenced like within the next couple of months yeah. you're so young <laughs> really you didn't hear about geocities i had no idea what it was i learned about it at lunch and then it was everywhere it turns out and i've just been glazing over that presumably for at least a decade i mean it no you're not glazing over it because it hasn't been around i mean it was I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess it was only really around for like a very narrow slice of time. But I remember like I made like my first website in GeoCities. I think I just put a bunch of Dragon Ball Z pictures on the same page. That was pretty much it. 
so cool. Yeah, there are some of them were animated just. It was it was pretty advanced. Mm-hmm. And then I think I put a donation button because at that point, uh, to me, the population of the Earth seemed big enough that the law of large numbers meant that if I had a donation link on my page, I should like just be raking in money. <laughs> like there would be enough people. There are so many people that some percentage will randomly land on the page. Some percentage will randomly decide to donate and that would be a big enough slice of humanity to be an appreciable amount of money. That is an incredibly optimistic viewpoint. Did it work? Yeah, well, I mean, I also thought that everyone who had ever been on TV would be like rich because people would just mail them money (laughs) (laughs) by that, by that same principle. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like, you know, like some percentage of people will be so moved by what this person said on, you know, the Jay Leno show that they're going to probably just put 20 bucks in an envelope and send it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like, send no, but dollars just because you really liked that movie that one time. I mean, that's isn't that what the, the secret is about that book is you're just envisioning the future you want. So I'm just envisioning that people are going to listen to this podcast so much so and like it enough that they're just going to send us money and yeah yes okay you say that that's ridiculous but actually i mean isn't that what patreon is i suppose so i mean there's definitely a lot more tit for tat in the typical patreon relationship there's usually some sort of special privilege awarded some sort yeah. of special ask, uh, interaction or um, access to the creative process that is not, you know, that only if that that person on the Jay Leno show was really moved by your twenty dollars would they choose to share. It was less less transactional than a typical Patreon. Yeah, that's true. But I think um, I mean a lot of them are just like, if you like what I've been doing, here's my Patreon. I mean, so an interesting thing about that so say you want to donate a dollar a month to to some creator that you like so you know by by your logic you know you don't actually need that incredible you you need a very small slice of humanity to actually create you know a living wage for that creator at what is pretty insignificant to the people donating potentially um of humanity yeah yeah of yeah yeah you know there's seven plus billion people yeah Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of potential dollars out there. If you were to donate a dollar a month, I think the credit card would end up with about forty cents. Yeah, and it seems like there's like a huge potential barrier for this kind of like buy me a coffee, give me a small tip, um, internet content creators, because there is this like giant middleman gorilla in the room that's like sucking up a huge amount of the potential uh, money moving through that system and as far as i know that's not really solved or even like discussed or brought up in like the context of patreon i don't know um i mean they might you could use venmo the so the the interesting thing is that the, so the, I guess the, the model credit card companies use, I think is they just take a, like a constant cut off the transactions. 
other transactions or something like that or they, they charge a fee per transaction yeah it's like 35 cents plus a small percentage yeah 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 um but the model that venmo uses is i think that they um they just delay the actual transaction and so what they do is they take that money they invest it for like a day and then they get them the interest on that investment and then they finish the transaction and that's why if you want your bank transaction like if you want your deposit or withdrawal from venmo done like instantaneously you have to pay a fee but if you don't then it, it's for free and i just don't i i've heard that before and if that were true i would think that they would not because commercially they operate just like a credit card it's the same like fixed fee plus percentage and maybe that's just because they can get away with that or there's some sort of liability associated with being part of a commercial entity i don't know well i think it's probably because they don't have um competition yeah i guess but it just feels like it is an under underexplored area of internet commerce it's like you can't just get anything for a quarter like that is actually something no nobody would ever sell something for a quarter yeah yeah i mean the that business model i think but i think also venmo is used more for personal transactions which don't have that associated yeah overhead so uh if you like this podcast venmo neil at <laughs> Neil, one, two, three, four. No, don't do that. Yeah, no, that's not actually my Venmo. I don't know what it is, in fact. Uh, and I'm going to have my last name in it, in which case you'll never know. <laughs> until, until, until we have a, a Venmo account at Mandy or a Cash App. Cash App. <laughs> Haven't heard of that in a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's been another episode of Manbay. Thanks for listening. I've got a fever, and the only prescription is headspace. <laughs>